You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and uh, no regular season. That's all right. Still lots and lots to talk about. Looking forward to uh, next season, looking at maybe uh, some daily fantasy here in the postseason. And uh, joining me for part of that discussion is Scott Styrus, uh, a cricketer. If you uh, listened to the show back in the the earlier uh, days, uh, early this year, but in the preseason, uh, or even uh, the offseason, I should say, I uh, had Scott on the show. He's actually one of the first guests ever on this show uh and uh not just a cricketer and a cricket analyst but an avid fantasy baseball player uh so scott's a great guy to talk to about baseball uh as well as cricket so uh, he'll be on the show a little bit later uh the big news uh just uh breaking short while ago maybe 15 20 minutes ago Corey seager has been left off the dodgers nlcs roster to his ongoing back issues so he's been replaced by Charlie Culberson, also Jock Peterson uh, on the uh, uh, NLCS roster. Uh, he's taking the place of Pedro Baez, and uh, the assumption is that uh, Peterson's there to offer up some flexibility for Chris Taylor and Enrique Hernandez, who could both be used uh instead of Seeger at shortstop. There's also plenty of speculation, too, about whether or not the Dodgers are planning to make a DL move if Seeger is actually well enough to play later on in the series and whether or not uh, MLB would actually allow such a move. Uh, so there's going to be plenty of intrigue as far as uh, Corey Seeger and the Dodgers uh, NLCS roster is concerned. Dodgers have also set up their rotation for the series, uh, something that the Cubs have not fully done yet, uh, but uh, going to be Clayton Kershaw going uh, tonight in game one, followed by Rich Hill, Yu Darvish, and uh, Alex Wood. Jose Quintana has gotten the nod to start tonight, uh, but have not seen anything about the rest of that rotation there. Uh, also, in terms of the Dodgers roster, Yasmani Grandal was not at the team's workout yesterday. Uh, but he may go on paternity leave as his uh, wife is expecting. And uh, so I'd say pretty good chance we'll see Austin Barnes and the Dodgers line up tonight. Uh, I've got uh, the Yankees and Astros rotations going forward. Of course, we had a great opener to the ALCS uh, yesterday. Last night, uh, talk a little bit about that. I should talk quite a bit about Dallas Keuchel on the show because uh, his fantastic performance dovetails uh, nicely with the uh, end of the two early mocks and looking to see where uh, where Keuchel wound up on average in those mock drafts. I think it's an interesting finding. Uh, I think it's uh, sort of interesting to look ahead at Dallas Keuchel's uh, 2018 season while he's doing, still doing fantastic things in the 2017 Season Also got some Marlins news coming up, some Rockies news. Uh, so all of that coming up after this break. Stick around.
Are you new to Daily Fantasy? Are you a veteran? Either way, you can better your chances of winning money and lots of it by going to DailyRoto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire too. Just go to DailyRoto.com to rock Daily Fantasy Sports. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And as promised just before that break, I'm going to get you caught up on the Yankees and Astros ALCS rotations. Uh, Use that as an excuse to basically dig a little deeper into the Astros rotation value, uh, value for all those starting pitchers for next year. Uh, Also, I said, I've got some Marlins news uh, to share with you. and also uh, coming up uh, in the very next segment, have Scott Styrus, uh, former cricket player and uh, current very avid fantasy baseball player. Talk about his fantasy baseball season. Uh, lots to come. But uh, before I get to any of that, just want to remind you, you can go to either DailyRoto.com or RotoExperts.com. Uh, put in either of those addresses, dailyroto.com and then the slash DKMS or rotoexperts.com slash DKMS. And there you will get to a page where you can link to play a fantasy draft, play a free DFS contest this week and every week through week 16 of the NFL season. And there's also information there to uh, on uh, how you can help them in their cause to fight blood cancer. You can sign up to be a bone marrow donor. I know that uh, there are hosts on this network who have already done that. You can uh, make a donation to DKMS there or just learn more about the cause and learn how you can spread the word. Uh, so again, it's dailyroto.com slash DKMS, rotoexperts.com slash DKMS. And if you do play that fantasy draft DFS game, uh, and if you're a winner in any week between now and uh, week 16 and week 17, you get to face off against all the other weekly winners and the ultimate winner gets two tickets to Super Bowl 52 in Minnesota. So lots of great reasons to go visit uh, one of those sites. So uh, anyhow, uh, let me get back to uh, some postseason news here. So the Yankees, uh, of course, uh, going down in game one to Dallas Keuchel and the, the Houston Astros. Uh, still very nice performance from Masahiro Tanaka. But uh, going forward, game two, uh, just uh, coming up in actually less than two hours. Uh, you can have Luis Severino going up against Justin Verlander. Uh, CC Sabathia is scheduled to start game three and Sunny Gray game four. So that's your Yankees ALCS rotation. Astros, like I said, going with Justin Verlander uh, this afternoon. And then Charlie Morton scheduled to start game three. Game three. No game four starter as of yet, but it's almost certainly not going to be um, Colin McHugh, who has been put in the bullpen for this series. So that leaves it down to Brad Peacock and Lance McCullers, uh, according to the Houston Chronicle. They are your, as you would expect, your leading candidates to start game four. And which one goes likely depends on whoever may pitch in relief uh, in, in game two or game three. So if you are playing a postseason Fantasy game, uh, that's something to watch there because certainly it would be, uh, uh, you know, worth at least considering starting either Peacock or McCullers if they do go 
against the Yankees. And I'm going to get back to both of them and to Dallas Keuchel in just a little bit here. But I just want to tackle a couple other news items that have come up in the last uh, last couple of days. According to the Miami Herald, the Marlins may cut their payroll from this year's total of $115 million all the way down to $90 million. And, of course, they've got several players who are due big raises. So if they made no moves, they'd have a much, much bigger payroll than just $115 million. So that's, that sounds like a drastic cut. It's even more drastic than it sounds, going from $115 million this year to $90 million next year. And, of course, there have already been plenty of trade rumors involving Giancarlo Stanton. But if Derek Jeter and his group, uh, his uh, ownership group, go farther than that, you could really see another gutting of the roster with Marcelo Zuna, Christian Yelich, and D. Gordon uh, among the top candidates to be dealt due to their contracts. I don't think you'd see Justin Borgo. Uh, I doubt you'd see Dan Straley. So they have some... Fairly affordable key pieces still on that team, but obviously that would be an enormous hit to the Marlins if all four, Stanton, Ozuna, Yelich, and Gordon went, or really even if any three of those four went. And as I think I've discussed, and I honestly, to be, I can't remember if it was this program or maybe another one I was on recently, but I talked about how if D. Gordon were left behind, and let's say Stanton and Ozuna or Stanton and Yelich, you know, much less all three were gone. I think that could really affect Gordon's value. So from a fantasy perspective, uh, if, if you're not a Marlins fan, uh, but you're a D. Gordon fantasy fan, you probably should root for him to be traded. Uh, also from FanRag's own John Heyman, he broke the news uh, earlier in the week that Greg Holland is going to decline his $15 million option for 2018. But however, the Rockies are still open to re-signing uh, Holland to a multi-year deal. So uh, that's, uh, that's certainly one to watch. Uh, again, from a fantasy perspective, you probably are rooting for Holland to go away from Colorado. But there were there were all sorts of uh, issues really with Holland. The season um, did not improve on his average fastball velocity over last season when it was down, and uh, his uh, card contact rate was by far the highest of his career, thirty four point one percent. So you know he wound up being pretty useful in fantasy, particularly in the first half. But it, you know he got his saves. He kept the job. There was a little period in the second half of maybe two or three days where it seemed like it was in question whether or not Holland was going to lose the job. But really, he just got a very brief break. But uh, I find the trends a little bit concerning with Holland and wonder if he can do even as well as he did this year. And again, he was not really all that reliable later in the season. He had his ups and downs. Uh, so I, I, I'm concerned that maybe it, he's not even that good next year. And the thing I'm going to stress probably over and over again during the postseason, the offseason, is that there's typically a lot of turnover among closers uh, from opening day to the final day. So Holland was one of a very small number. I believe it was either 10 or 11 closers that kept the job wire to wire. And again, there was a, a moment where it seemed like he was not going to be a part of that group. And they certainly had viable options in Colorado with uh, Jake McGee, Adam Adovino, 
Um, and then they uh, acquired Pat Neshek. Um So, you know, there were certainly some other very good relievers that they could have gone to. But um, I'm, you know, this year I exercised <laughs> for once a lot of discipline in terms of going after closers on draft day or auction day. And I have every incentive to do the same thing again next year. Cause I don't have a lot of confidence that somebody like Colland who had some blemishes in his uh, stat profile. Uh, I don't have a lot of confidence that he's going to be wire to wire next year, wherever he winds up. And of course that assumes that he signed as a closer. I would be willing to, to bet on that, that he'll be signed by somebody to close games. I don't, unless it's some, you know, humongous contract that the team is going to have to justify. I, I don't have a huge amount of confidence he's going to be wired or wire uh, as a closer in, in 2018. But while we're looking ahead to next year, let's take a look at that Astros rotation because I think it raises some some interesting dilemmas. Uh, maybe even if you're in a keeper league and, you know, when we're talking about draft day, that's a long, long way, long way away. But you know, if you're in a keeper league, and of course it obviously depends on what your, your keeper format is, but if you are a Lance McCullers owner or a Brad Peacock owner, I think you got a real dilemma on your hands if uh, you know it's more than a handful of keepers, you know, if it's more than, let's say, five or six keepers. Because I think McCullers, early this season, looked like he was going to be an ace. And I think he could be again, but health issues are something that can't be ignored. They're going to depress his, his draft value. Uh, Brad Peacock uh, proved to be one of the better strikeout pitchers this season, but there's just a lot of depth there in that Astros rotation. Nobody, at least in terms of free agency, nobody's going anywhere. Dallas Keuchel, Justin Verlander, they should be back. Uh, I would assume they'll be back next year. Uh, I would think Charlie Morton will be back. I would think, uh, you know, the, the back end there, Colin McHugh, Lance McCullers, Brad Peacock. I mean, all those those pitchers could be in, in the uh, in the picture for the Astros. And like we, we saw at the Dodgers this year, I mean, having that kind of depth is really critical because when you got somebody like McCullers who gets injured a lot and anybody, you know, Keuchel, Keuchel missed a lot of time. Those six, seven starters could be very, very important. So neither McCullers nor Peacock is necessarily assured of a starting job on opening day. But they could still have a lot of value next year. So that's something that's going to require a little bit more analysis that I've got time for because we got to head to break. It's just moments here. So I'll come back later in the show, talk a little bit about them. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the two early mock results that uh, just finished. But uh, coming up right away after this break, special guest Scott Styrus talk about his fantasy season and his lessons learned. So don't want to miss that. We will be right back. Hello, friends. If you want to win at Fantasy Sports, wouldn't you listen to people who have already won at Fantasy Sports? I'm here to tell you about DailyRoto.com. Don't be intimidated by the Draft Kings and FanDuel Sharks, even the Fantasy Draft Sharks. The guys at DailyRoto.com have not only won a million dollars amongst one of the writers, but they've created three others. That's four people who have won millionaire contests from this content alone. Don't be fooled by screenshots talking about $25,000 winners from other places. Go to DailyRoto.com where they have a proven track record of creating millionaires. DailyRoto.com. Tell them Greg Sussman sent you. Yeah. 
Welcome back, everybody. This is Fan Rag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, and uh, unfortunately, we do not have Scott Styrus just yet, but we're uh, hopeful we can uh, connect up with him uh, a little bit later on the show. So uh, <laughs> keep you posted on that. But uh, in the meantime, plenty more Astros analysis. Like I said right before the break, uh, it takes a while to sort of break down the situation. But the, the bigger point that I, I wanted to make is that even as you look at the what are currently the back-end options there. Uh, I, I'm really looking to target both Lance McCullers and Brad Peacock next year as things stand because uh, be, once you get beyond the top 15 or 20 or so, uh, it's you, you got to go for upside, and uh, they both certainly have it. I will get back to that uh, point because, uh, fortunately, we do have Scott Cyrus with us now, uh, former uh, – Cricket player, now a cricket analyst, and as I mentioned, a very, very avid fantasy baseball player. Scott, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to be back at the end of the season. It was a long six months. It was. It was. Well, I met you earlier the show. You were one of the, the first people to actually be a guest on the show back in, I think it was February. So we went a whole season without talking about you. So we, we got a lot to catch up on here. Uh, so uh, I do just want to mention uh, to folks that if they are interested in uh, following you on Twitter, they can do so at Scott B. As a baseball. Sorry, Scott. Styrus. Yeah. Um, we'll take that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, uh, like I said, we've got a lot, of, lot to catch up on here. And so I'm very interested about how your season went, how many leagues you played in, uh, if your uh, final results were what you were hoping for. How did that all go? Uh, I do only play in the, in the one league, and it is a bunch of cricket players who have a passing interest is the best way to probably describe it. Uh, in baseball, we, uh, we have all played cricket around the world uh, as a profession over the years, so we tend to travel quite a lot, and therefore that means passing through the United States from time to time, um, and therefore we stop off and, and watch some games, and that's the way, uh, I guess, the, the interest in baseball started. Um, and uh, therefore we've got a group of uh, 10 of us who, who are avid baseball fans, and we've been playing now for probably about 10 years. So it's it's good fun, and uh, thankfully um, having had a terrible start and a terrible draft where I missed a lot, and I missed badly on many players, uh, I did manage to get up and win, thankfully, through uh, the three keepers we employ and uh, and the fact that um, I'm probably more active than most because I don't have a normal nine-to-five day job like, like everybody else. So just the one league, and, uh, and, and it was great to, to win it. So you mentioned that you missed out on or you missed with some players. Uh, who were maybe the couple that caused you the most aggravation in that way? Uh, <laughs> Certainly, initially, uh, Josh Donaldson was one with uh, with the calf injury and the performance. He he was unbelievable, wasn't he, for the last last uh, month or so, uh, and caught all that uh, right back up. But uh, initially, it's it's tough to recover, isn't it, from from losing your first round um, pick like that when he wasn't performing anywhere near like he was. Uh, but I guess the major one, which for me was round three, because we do have uh, three keepers per team. Uh, in our 10-team league, so there were 30 players out. I had Gregory Polanco, uh, and I think he and I are no longer friends. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he lost a lot of friends this year. But um, I, on another program, somebody asked me about players 
who could conceivably be drafted in the top five overall, who probably won't be. And the first name that came to mind was Josh Donaldson, because I think his stock did go way down this year. And yet what he showed, just as you pointed out, Scott, at the end of the year that, uh, you know, once healthy and, and, you know, playing every day, uh, he was he was back to his old form. Yeah, I don't think he he will be in that first round, or, or well, obviously not in the first round, or even the second round potentially. And and you're right, he uh, he is an older player supposedly. I mean, thirty what one or two is considered old these days. But uh, he, the performance is still there. I guess it's just about that supporting cast. Whether Toronto's going to be any good around him, or whether he is that lone wolf a little bit where the counting stats might not be good enough. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's it's a name I'm tucking away. Uh, I don't, you know, know that I would take him top five necessarily, but there's just a, a bunch of players, you know, right away after the first few picks that are I think are all similarly good options. Uh, so who were some of the other uh, players that really struck you this year, either in a good or a bad way, uh, throughout the course of the season? Um. Couple of players that, that did well. I mean, I'm what I'm interested in too. One who I've been bitten by many times, uh, but I've gone. I went back to the well in terms of a trade for him was Justin Upton. Now he's a frustrating player, a little bit like Polanco was for me this year because he's so inconsistent. Are you are you a believer in these players who, well, in his case, he has the ability to opt out and, and get a new contract, so he has that motivation. So he plays all the way through the season versus what we'd normally see from Upton where he's streaky one month, he can hit 10 or 15 home runs and then, and then he goes missing. Uh, do you believe also in that those players who, who do have a contract coming up, that they do play harder and better and, and therefore they're, they're the players you should target because, uh, you know, Justin Upton was phenomenal for me at the back end of the season. Yeah. But part of me thinks that if he does opt out and gets his new contract, he's going to put his feet up for next year and maybe someone <laughs> I'd look to avoid. Uh, I love this question, and you know, and it does come up periodically, especially this time of year. And no, I'm I'm really not a believer in in the contract year effect, either going into the contract year or coming out of it uh, in the first year with a new team. Um, you know, in the case of Justin Upton, what you described, that's a Justin Upton season. So yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe he, you know, maybe players do play harder in the contract year. I imagine probably some do. I'm guessing probably not all do because, you know, I think you get to that level. And Scott, you can speak to this as a professional athlete far, far better than I can. I think once you get to that level, uh, with rare exceptions, you have to be very mentally focused day in, day out, year in, year out. Um, so I, I'm actually much more interested in your, your opinion on this than my opinion on this. I don't believe in the, uh, at least in making assumptions. Like I said, maybe for some players it makes an impact. But I, for the reason I just stated, I don't really believe uh, that contract years make a big difference coming in or going out. But given your experience as a high-level pro athlete, what do you think? Well, I, I think that you're you're one of two people in the sense that, one, you're a supremely naturally talented athlete and things come easily to you or secondly you are uh, one of those mentally strong players who, who who are focused day in day out and and your work ethic's phenomenal now I, if I had to guess because I don't know Justin Upton at all obviously uh, he would be he would fit more into that first category of being a supreme athlete where everything came easily he was in the league when he was a young player as well uh, so when when things uh, don't go so well you can often see big slumps for those sorts of players 
uh, because they're not used to having to fight and fight and fight hard because it's always been easy. Uh, so, you know, I mean, we're delving into things that we're just simply guessing about. But, uh, yeah, it, it's easier to, to understand in my eyes why someone like Justin Upton has those slumps. And I, and I also believe if he is focused and goes a whole season, then you, you, you get the rewards for that. But I, I do worry about some guys, and I, and I hear one, where if he does get his new contract, no matter wherever it is, whichever team, that he just goes back to being that same old guy that, uh, you know, I can cruise because I've got a six or seven year contract. Uh, is this and uh, or maybe secondhand experience with in terms of either your because I don't know how the economics of, of cricket work. Um, so either with yourself or, or with your uh, you know teammates or, or other players that you are familiar with, uh, was this something that was an issue at all? Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, having to play for, for a new contract? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I won't try and explain everything in cricket because it's a, it's, a, it's a tough subject, but we're in a transition in cricket where the highest level was always country versus country, uh, whereas mm-hmm. baseball's franchise or American sports in general are franchised. But we're in the process, too, of making that transition to franchises being uh, an increasingly important part of the landscape of cricket. Now, when that happens, which is which it currently is, uh, we're seeing the same sorts of things, player movement between teams. If your face doesn't fit into one team, you can simply catch on with another team, whereas if you're not in your national international side, then you've always struggled. So uh, in that sense, yes, players now with franchises are able to, uh, I guess, play for their contracts on an annual basis. We... we well, cricket, a lot of it's based out of India and Pakistan and Bangladesh, which are third world countries, a lot of it, but there's a lot of wealth in those areas. But they still set up contracts that are, are advantageous to the owners and to the league, more so than the players. So there is a lot of money around, but uh, the, the difference is, is you know, they are able to cut you after one year, even if you are, it doesn't matter who you are but they can retain you for longer if they wish. So without delving into it too much, uh, there's not quite that certainty and uh, solidity that the, the contracts are in the US. So you feel like you're right, that you are playing on an annual basis for uh, your next contract because if you do perform poorly, then they can cut you um, so you don't quite have that same level of ability like, say, an Upton who could just sit back and say, look, I've got a six- or seven-year contract and I can just cruise my way through that if that's his personality. Yeah, yeah, and that's the key, right? I mean, everybody's different, and uh, it's as a fantasy owner, you're removed from it. It's it's really hard to know, which is why I try not to to make assumptions about that. Uh, well, Scott, this is a really interesting topic. It kind of took us away from some of the things I wanted to uh, to talk about, and one in particular, I wanted to ask you about Didi Gregorius because it's somebody you've actually met uh, and uh, knows something about. Uh, would you be uh, willing and able to stay on with us uh, past this break? Uh, talk a little bit more. Yeah, of course. Ah, that is fantastic. All right. Well, uh, folks, stick around then because we got some more great discussion with Scott Styrus uh, coming up. And uh, I'll get back to the Astros rotation, I promise, in this show. So uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Ezekiel Elliott. Carl Anthony Towns, Corey Seager. Those are the rookies of the year. 
much like the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The fastest growing fantasy sports network on radio is completely free, 24-7. Listen to us live at FNTSY.com slash radio or download the app right now in the Google Play Store or on iTunes. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melkior, and staying with us for uh, at least part of another segment. Uh, very, very happy to have Scott Styrus back, uh, former cricketer, uh, currently a cricket analyst, and uh, here to just talk about his fantasy baseball season. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Didi Gregorius, who's uh, opening eyes yet again here in the postseason. Uh, so, Scott, you started to talk about... Um, players that uh, in both good and bad ways sort of caught your attention this year, maybe intrigued you, maybe mystified you. Um, who who else uh, would fall into those categories? Well, if I just look at the, the players that I own, and Didi Gregorius was actually one of those in the sense that uh, he went out undrafted in our league. That's how far he's climbed uh, But uh, in a 10-teamer. But he came in to replace Aledmus Diaz for me because, uh, I mean, the motion that he had and completely falling off the cliff with his performance. Uh, and another one was Steven Souza. I don't know where uh, he is for you or whether he is someone that rated highly, but uh, counting stats-wise, it, it was a monster season with 30 home runs and 16 stolen bases um, sure. out of a guy who okay. you could get late as well. So another player that, uh, along with Gregorius, ended up delivering. Yeah, and I apologize because uh, at least on my connection, you cut out for part of that. But um, I do want to talk about Gregorius. But since you mentioned um, Steven Souza, I, I had some skepticism about him coming into this year. And I, while I, I think he was a pleasant surprise and I streamed him in several leagues, uh, he's, I didn't own him wire to wire anywhere. And, uh, you know, I think health issues are just going to be something that are going to limit his values is uh, his value as well as his righty lefty splits. And there are just too many weeks that where I, the splits just didn't work in his favor and I, I couldn't, couldn't start him. So I don't see myself drafting Sousa next year, uh, in a 12 teamer or maybe even in a 14 teamer. Uh, but Gregorius, I know yeah. that some of our, our back and forth uh, on email, you know, I made the comment that his season didn't make sense to me. I, I'm pretty sure I had him on a bus list somewhere because he had all those home runs last year. He had 20 uh, for the first time. And even with Yankee Stadium as a backdrop, I just I didn't buy it. He, his, his power numbers in terms of hard contact rate and average fly ball distance, those kinds of things didn't measure up. And it was the same thing again this year. So is it just that? Hitting in the AL East is just such a boon for power that an ord a very ordinary power hitter in terms of those kinds of metrics could be better at least better than average. Uh, or should I should I be skeptical again going into twenty eighteen about Didi Gregorius? <laughs> yeah, I, I, look, it's hard to be skeptical because uh, the numbers are there, aren't they? But uh, I understand uh, why you feel that way. I mean, he's just not the prototypical power hitter, the position he plays as well, but he's in behind a monster, isn't he, and Aaron Judge, um, and in that lineup. And Well, I'll throw one question back at you. Uh, are there many left-handers at Yankee Stadium that you don't like? <laughs> That's an excellent question. And 
I'm hard pressed to get to to come up with anybody. So that's yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just it's such an extreme park factor for lefties that uh, you know you you can you can trust the numbers. He he actually hit more this year than at home. I think he hit 13 on the road versus 12 at home. I think oh. I got the splits right. So I, that's why I said I'm just confused. Yeah, I am as well. Um, <laughs> I, I, look, I don't know. I mean, he went undrafted in our league for a reason, I guess, and, and because most people mustn't have had a lot of faith in him. Now, you just even look in the playoffs, he's come up with the odd big hit, and he, he goes missing in between times. But I think in an ideal world, the Yankees wouldn't want him anywhere near the top of that lineup. That he, but but he is. And because of that, he gets opportunities to drive players in. So uh, he, I do think he's one big slump away from being back down the bottom and perhaps uh, not being as relevant as he is. He wants one I don't, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not quite sure about what to do with next season. Yeah, well, I imagine now, you know, with a, a second straight 20-plus homer season, he's not going to go undrafted next year, at least in 12-teamers, in and certainly anything deeper than that. And I, you made a, a good point. If you hadn't made it, I, I was going to make it, which is that if he doesn't sustain this kind of production into next year, uh, then, you know, the argument that you made that he's hitting right in the meat of a, of a great lineup, um, that may not necessarily be the case next year. Maybe he is a, a 7, 8, or 9 hitter. Um, at some point, if if he doesn't sustain this or, or gets off to a a slow start, so I'm certainly not a believer in the average. The 287 seems way high for me. Yeah, and I I have to agree with that. And that's you know even given that he's somebody who you know doesn't strike out a whole lot, but I, he's also not somebody that I would expect to you know get a whole lot of of hits on balls and play. You know at a, a Certainly not at an above average rate, uh, maybe not even an average rate. So, yeah, I, I'm probably just going to miss out on Didi Gregorius. I was kind of hoping maybe uh, because this is somebody that you've actually met. And he, he tried to give uh, cricket a go, right? Uh, when if, Can you refresh my memory? What was the story where uh, he he came to New Zealand? Was that what it was? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure who brings these guys out, but every offseason – uh, a player or two players uh, come out to New Zealand and they hold a few coaching clinics around the country. They're only ever here for four or five days, six days at a time. But uh, previous players that have come out have been Curtis Grandison and Mark Melanson. Uh, Nick Hundley has been out before. And last summer it was, or well, our, our summer anyway, was uh, Didi Gregorius. And he, he did the same sorts of things. And uh, he went through a few cricket drills and a few baseball drills. And, and one of the current players, myself, I'm retired now, but uh, one of the current New Zealand cricket players who um very similar in size and ability too. I would have thought uh, probably would have played uh, shortstop if he was a baseballer, but they were mm-hmm. both down there going against each other. So it, it was good to see. It was good fun and, and made all the media over here the fact that one of the New York Yankees was uh, was out in New Zealand and, and trying to showcase baseball and, and what it is, because in reality, baseball doesn't really feature at all in, uh, in, in New Zealand. Yeah, so uh, how much of a rarity is it there that, that you play fantasy baseball? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's completely rare, and nobody really gets it. Uh, nobody <laughs> understands it when my wife particularly uh, likes to make fun of the fact to other people that I'm uh, playing fantasy baseball because... People don't know anything about baseball, first almost, and it's uh, certainly not the fantasy aspect of it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, uh, since I've got got you on, and if you can stay just a, a couple more minutes, uh, I wanted to devote some time to talking about the the Astros rotation. Um, 
So are are you able to uh, get a lot of the uh, these postseason games? Because I know you travel quite a bit. Uh, are are you able to follow this uh, much uh, on on TV, or uh, are you having to to go to, to other sources? Um, I'm seeing a little bit of it. Yes, uh, that all changes for me tomorrow. I fly to to India uh, for uh, another commentary stint, but uh, I'll get to today and tomorrow of. Uh, of uh, television time, if you like, and other than that, time zones mean that the games happen in the middle of the night, which is frustrating. But uh, yeah, at the Astros have been a team that I've seen uh, quite a bit of. I mean, there seem to be players uh, who I've owned a lot, a lot of: George Springer, Carlos Correa. Um, we play a holds league, so I have Will Harris or Gregerson as well. So I've seen a bit of the, oh, nice. the Astros, and uh, yeah, I'll be watching them certainly in the next uh, couple of games. I like their chances. Yeah, well, um, before you came on, in fact, right before you came on, I was talking about Lance McCullough versus Brad Peacock. Neither is assured of being a starter in this ALCS. And I would think both would be sort of on the fringes of the rotation situation in the spring because they just they have so many good starters. Uh, and yet they're both pitchers that I, I could see targeting in sort of the mid-teen rounds uh, because – even if they don't start the year, and I think Peacock's probably the bigger threat not to do this because he, he's got a lot of relief experience now. But let's just, you know, using Peacock as an example, I could see going for him in, I don't know, 15th, 16th round, and, and he'll probably be there, I would think, uh, because given the chance, he could be enormous for strikeouts. And I think just across the board, uh, be really good. And, and what we've seen, you know, with teams like the Dodgers is that, Rotation depth is really critical. It just takes one or two pitchers to go down, and suddenly, you know, somebody like a Brad Peacock, you know, maybe makes thirty starts and and is a real stalwart. So, um, but I, I actually want to go to the top of the rotation because Dallas Keuchel just had a phenomenal start in Game One. He, uh, I just finished a, a series of, of mocks called the Two Early Mocks, and I did get Keuchel. I also got Peacock, by the way, in that. Keuchel was the nineteenth yep. pitcher across all these mock drafts, the nineteenth one taken on average, and yet he was seventeenth in roto value this year, despite pitching only one hundred forty-five and two-thirds innings. So, yep. how much do you value Dallas Keuchel going into next year? Well, he's, he's not the sort of pitcher that, or the style of pitcher that I normally tend to like, and therefore I try not to to draft them. You know, I, I ended up with Jose Quintana this year and he's mm. another pitcher that I tend to not like too much about but um, he's a better version certainly Keuchel but I think you've got to you've got to value what he's done two of the last three years the 2015 season was phenomenal uh, last year was was a poor one for him but he showed that he's, he's certainly in that top echelon and, and I, he's not a sexy pick I mean he's his, he's not going to blow people away and, and strike out batters perhaps like a Severino or uh, you know the Noah Syndergaards, but I can see them him being drafted after those guys, but certainly perhaps even outperform them. Yeah, and and that's really exactly what's happened. Uh, like I said, these four, across these four mock drafts, barely making it in the top twenty, and yet despite pitching, you know, really about three quarters of a season, uh, he was seventeenth. So he finished ahead of guys yeah. who pitched all season, uh, and and he still out earned them. So yeah, I think Dallas Keuchel still somehow is managing to be just crazily underappreciated well, and uh, under underdrafted. If he was so, number nineteen, yeah. If, if he was nineteen, <laughs> who were the guys around him? Uh, unfortunately, uh, we we gotta go. Uh, but a 
Carlos Martinez is what I'm going to talk about uh, in the, the next segment. So uh, he was one for sure. But uh, Scott, I'm really sorry to cut this short, but uh, we got to head to break. So well, th- thank you so much for joining no us. No problem. All right, no Scott. Problem. Uh, <laughs> all right, folks, we'll stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Greg Sussman from the Roto Experts in the Morning, and, and listen, we can all use a little help sometimes. That's why I talk to three guys every single day that help me with my fantasy teams. But if you need help with your fantasy teams, and you probably do, you should purchase the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football In-Season Package, featuring weekly lineup ranks, chats with our experts every single day, and player cards for every player in the NFL, including reports from InsideInjuries.com. You cannot beat it. Don't set your lineups without checking the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge In-Season Package. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, and many, many thanks to uh, ex-cricket player, current cricket commentator, Scott Styrus, uh, to talk about his fantasy season. And got into sort of an unplanned, uh, but I thought really, really interesting discussion about the players and their contract years and getting his perspective on that as both as a fantasy owner and as an actual professional athlete and how that's played out in the cricket world. Uh, anyways, many, many thanks to Scott Styrus and, and hope uh, to have him on again sometime soon. Uh, to follow up on a question that Scott had that unfortunately we ran out of time in the last segment. So who was drafted around uh, uh, Dallas Keuchel in the two early mocks? Uh, and, and Carlos Martinez was right there. So there was some, he was somebody I wanted to zero in on um and i wish i had uh, the the adps right in front of me i'm trying to think top of mind i know he wasn't too far behind chris archer or and james paxton i think he was right behind james paxton so there's a handful of names uh i would think keichel really should be ahead of those with the possible exception of archer uh who i do like a lot but um i ran a poll on twitter because Keuchel not only in the two early mocks was drafted behind Carlos Martinez, but he out-earned Carlos Martinez in Roto value this year, despite despite pitching far fewer innings. So the Twitter poll question was, which starting pitcher would you rather have in 2018, Dallas Keuchel or Carlos Martinez? And 53% opted for Dallas Keuchel. So very, very close, 53 to 47. And I got to think there's a little bit of recency bias probably in this poll, given that I ran it this morning and that Keuchel just had this uh, spectacular performance against the Yankees in ALCS game one, seven shutout innings with 10 strikeouts and just four hits and a walk. So uh, I, I think that shows in a way Still how underrated Dallas Keuchel is and, and may continue to be right into uh, draft day next year. If he continues to have a great postseason, maybe that skews uh, things a little bit farther. Maybe that boosts his value. Will be interesting to see. But speaking of the two early mock, uh, just the one that I'm in uh, just finished this morning. And so I wanted to just, uh, with the little bit of time that we have left here, highlight a few of the players who went in the reserve rounds. So this is a 15-team league, 23 rounds, but then three reserve rounds. So these are players who are going to be available in a lot of your leagues next year, most likely. And one of them was Zach Davies, despite uh, a good season, a great second half, 2.87 ERA, just a .48 home run per nine uh, ratio. Uh, he's the sort of player I think I think it was a good call on the part of the mock drafters 
to pass on Davies despite all the wins this year and the good second half performance because he really he's a, a pitch to contact guy who really relies on soft contact and I'm not sure how much that skill carries over year to year. Um, so I thought that was good that that wasn't over uh, weighted. Uh, based on the second half performance. Another name I thought was interesting was Carlos Gomez, because I thought about taking him at various junctures in the later rounds. He only had 13 steals this year, though, so that even though he had 17 home runs, that power-speed combination with only 13 steals, you, you can get that a lot of places, uh, probably off of waivers or fab. So I thought that was kind of a, I thought that was a good call, too. And the second-to-last player take, it was Robert Stevenson, Great flyer for second-to-last player taken. I think it would have been a shame if he wasn't drafted at all. Last seven starts, he had a 2.87 ERA and 42 strikeouts in 37.2 innings with a 16% whiff rate. Seven starts is not a very big sample, but when you're talking about reserve rounds of a 15-team league, that's some potentially some great, great value there. So on that final note, uh, enjoy the games today. And uh, I will be back here same time next Saturday. Stick around and stay tuned for the producers. And have a great weekend, everybody.